Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Late Night Vision Show. And as always, I've got my good buddy Hans from the Hans East Texas YouTube channel with me. My name is Jason. I'm the owner of Outdoor Legacy. And we've got another great show for you today. Uh, this is the Late Night Vision Show. You can find us at thelatenightvisionshow.com. But we are going to jump right into it. We have got Mr. Byron South from Convergent Hunting here again for a second interview. It is a full one. It is jam-packed with great information. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Late Night Vision Show. We are lucky enough, I'll tell you what, to have uh, Mr. Byron South on for a second time. Uh, and, and he is lucky enough, I guess, to be able to talk to us. I don't know a lot don't of people don't say that. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, I hope I hope he feels that way. But uh, Mr. Byron South, how are you doing again? Thank you for being back on the show. Hey, uh, I'm glad to be back, and I appreciate you all having me back, and I love the show. Well, thank you, Byron. Hey, everybody, this is Jason again. What I want to do real quick before we we jump back in is I want to uh, formally introduce Byron. And again, I know that uh, listeners of the podcast probably heard our original episode with him, but I want to give this bio for just the, the two people in uh banger maine who don't know who byron south is there's everybody else Man, knows but you pulled that out of your you know what <laughs> I, I want to give a, a a quick rundown on just a few of the accomplishments and uh it, it really shows uh you know who byron is and and why he is a, an expert and why you know we want to have him on this show and gain all the knowledge that we can from him so listen in here is you know, Byron is one of the most respected uh, figures in the predator and coyote hunting, uh, you know, field. His experience is expand uh, or has spanned uh, over 40 years in almost 40 states, Canada and Africa. Uh, he has called in and filmed coyotes, bobcats, fox, hogs, bears, wolves in Alaska, alligators. Uh, he's hunted all over Africa and killed, uh, you know, and called in lions, leopards, hyena, jackal. Uh, if this guy, if they've got ears, he's called them in, and uh, he, he's done it, <laughs> done it all over. But he used to uh, produce a video series called "Coming to the Calls" back in 2000, and this was a really great series. They were all over; every hunting store had them. You can probably still find them around, and uh, I bet Byron's got some of them tucked away. And they've got some incredible footage of coyotes and bobcats being called in and killed and they were not only you know entertainment they were very educational and people really really enjoyed those uh, another fact about byron that a lot of people may not know is that he gained the very first professional endorsement agreement that remington arms ever offered in the company's 200 year history and they did something for Byron that I'm pretty sure they're not going to do for Hans or I. And that, <laughs> that is that they named a rifle after him. They had the Byron That's South awesome. Signature Edition that Byron helped design. And uh, that is something that nobody has, has ever asked me about. But I'm, I'm waiting on the phone call. Well, maybe I'll get a Red Rider BB gun. Maybe. Maybe if you're I, I doubt it, though. But, you know, Byron is... Uh, a longtime member of the Realtree Pro staff, and he is uh, currently very well known for being the co-owner and CEO of Convergent Hunting Solutions uh, and Convergent 
is best known for making the bullet HP uh, and Sidewinder electronic calls. Uh, and they, uh, they've got calls for not just coyotes and, and predators, but also for hogs. They've got a whole app uh, dedicated to that. And the great thing about Byron and about Convergent is that they are based right here in East Texas, Big Sandy. So we have got us an East Texas boy on the show. And I've got my East Texan T-shirt on right now. If you're watching on YouTube, so very, it's a very proud moment. So, first of all, I, I want to invite all the listeners and viewers out there. If, uh, go check out our first uh, episode with uh, uh, Mr. Byron South on just the basics of predator calling. You can go check that out. You can find it on uh, the LateNightVisionShow.com. You can always find it on YouTube or on any of the podcast sharing apps that we've already put out. But go check that out as well. But uh, we're going to get into advanced. Uh, predator hunting tactic this is the this is not the basic this is the advanced class this is for all you that have graduated from the basics but i want to start it out before we get to that because one of the biggest questions that we got coming out of the first episode uh with you mr byron south is what is your favorite uh predator hunting rifle and caliber hang on a second if he says anything but the byron south signature edition remington (laughs) rifle i'm gonna be disappointed lose his endorsement Uh, i was you know i was honored in remington i uh back in the day this is kind of dating me back back in the day you know i was one of the first guys that used ar-15s a lot of people don't remember this but when i was using ar-15 hunting I mean, I was the devil. I mean, they were black guns. <laughs> I mean, everybody else was like, man, are you crazy doing that? Mm-hmm. And, and so, mm-hmm. man, I was going to the SHOT Show and all these places, and I, and I came kicking and screaming to an AR. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I was, I'm was i still a bolt gun guy. I love bolt guns. But an AR-15 platform is such an accurate, reliable I mean, it's it's. I call it the Mr. Potato Head of Guns. You can build it <laughs> and make it any way you want it. And so that uh, today, I mean, finally Remington actually Bushmaster. I, I was just pounding them, trying to get them to you know everything was really heavy, was more geared to the tactical guys, and so the hunters were just scared to death out of them. So uh, I thought, man, if we could put some camouflage on this thing and you know, and cleaned it up a little bit where these hunters weren't scared of it and it didn't look like it was going to jump out of the closet and kill a bunch of people, you know. <laughs> uh, we might have something, you know. So this was back when nobody wanted to hear me saying that. Mm-hmm. and uh, But I was, I had a quick story, man. I was I guided a, a son and he, a guy and, a, uh, and his son and called in a bobcat and uh, actually called in, I had a cat coming, and then two coyotes came running into the call as I was calling and treed the bobcat. Well, the kid never saw the bobcat. He shot at the two coyotes and had them kind of spinning around there, and I was trying to get them to shoot that cat, and I run my bolt gun dry trying to shoot that cat as he was <laughs> trying to go from tree to tree, breaking limbs and stuff, and I had four rounds in my gun. I wasn't a designated shooter. I was the guide, but I hated to let anything go, and when I left there, I said, I'm going to get me something that you know has more firepower and stuff so i went to a local pawn shop a guy handed me an ar-15 and i didn't even know where to touch it at you know it was just an evil looking gun <laughs> and so but he told me take it so i took it uh kind of messed with, messed with it and found out that hey man this thing's for real it's very accurate i mean mm-hmm. i get multiples mm-hmm. coming in all the time so it's a perfect pro you know platform to build a predator rifle but they were all big clunky heavy you know so mm-hmm. uh the question you asked me is what I shoot. Um, Remington, 
uh, really honored with that deal. Uh, since that time, that's kind of run its course. Uh, I'm shooting a Christensen Arms now. It's the lightest rifle I've found. They're really good to work with. It's got a carbon fiber barrel and carbon float tube, so it's really light. I carry a gun every day, all day. People, you know, you know I mean, I'm always yeah. hunting, doing something. So, uh, And I, I like the old 223. Um, I'm right. not shooting stuff at 500 yards. I mean, I'm in the calling game, so most everything I'm calling you know, or shooting is pretty close, but a 223 is perfectly capable reaching out there three, 400 yards. I shoot a little... Do you want to you wanna suggest a... a uh... Uh, ammo brand and type that you're using uh, I, you want to guess it or you want me to tell you oh i'm gonna say it's i'm gonna say it's a it's a lightweight round so i'm gonna say hornady um 50 grain uh bullet point hollow uh, yeah but, boat tail hollow point no nope. um it's a 60 grain uh, uh, uh v-max and i'll tell you okay. i'll tell you why i i Shooting tournaments and, you know, kind of, you all want to talk about kind of some advanced tactics and stuff like that. Shooting tournaments or, you know, shooting stuff on TV or on film and stuff, you want it DRT. You want it mm-hmm. good, clean. You don't want it spinning around or running off. So I shoot a little heavier bullet. Uh, of course, here in East Texas, we're liable to run into some hogs. So mm-hmm. I like that heavier bullet. And, you know, there's a lot of difference between the 60 grain B-Max and the 55 grain. And I think it it keeps it below a velocity threshold so it doesn't come apart. So it doesn't act like a typical VMAX where it's really violent way it expands. It kind of stays together. And I those coyotes, a lot of times when they're coming, they're kind of quartering to you. And I'll shoot them right on the point of the shoulder just like you would a Cape Buffalo or something to break him down. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want him leaving there, especially at night. You want him right. DRT. So I use a heavier bullet. And that 60 VMAX, I've been through train loads of them. And uh I don't want to go into numbers or nothing, but I've killed a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. with them. But uh, yeah. I, I, they shoot well in every gun I've ever. It's kind of my, you know, go-to to test uh, the accuracy potential of a rifle. Those 60 VMAX are accurate in everything I've shot them in, and uh, they're I, I've killed a train loads of hogs with them as well. So I like the heavier bullet in case I get into something a little heavier. But the coach bones are not, you know, tough. But those lighter bullets sometimes will splash and uh, mm. not get to the goody. So, um, but well, the uh, the sixty V Max is not violent either, so you don't have a lot of bad fur damage either. So, well, know. that's what I was just fixing to ask. I know a lot of my customers, uh, you know, a lot of these guys up north are they're in this for the money. Sure, I mean they're they're killing boatloads of predators and they're selling these these hides and furs. And I'm just shocked as an East Texas boy. You know, ours aren't worth much, but there they bring some money. Sure. Do you think is that the same kind of a a round and a caliber that you would would, use if you were doing this? Yeah, and I hunted with a lot of guys, like you said in the intro. Mm -hmm. I've hunted a lot of different states where furs are. I mean, you you guys know here in East Texas, you can't run fast enough to give somebody a coyote hide here, but up there, (laughs) they'll, I mean, they're, you know, we... Hundred bucks. Some of these cats are five, six, mm-hmm. seven hundred, eight hundred bucks for mm-hmm. a cat. So you certainly don't want to, you know, mess up eight hundred dollar cat hide. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. a lot of these guys are of the false assumption that a lighter grain bullet doesn't have an exit wound. But what happens is a lot of times is that velocity, that extra velocity, cr- can create a, a splash wound on the near side of the animal. It'll create a lot of sewing, and I think my theory is with the 60s, 
it keeps it below that threshold where that bullet is not as violent. And I tell you, we shoot a lot of cats here, and sometimes it's hard to even find a bullet hole. It looks like they just mm -hmm. died of a heart attack. And, uh, you know, of course, we mm -hmm. take pictures and film everything, so we don't want, even though they're worth $2, uh, we don't want big holes <laughs> in them either because it makes horrible sure. pictures. Right. So, uh, But the the 60, if I mean, for your fur guys, um, you know, and for a caller, you don't need a gun that's going to shoot, you know, 500 yards like a laser beam either. So, uh, but you want something that's going to anchor that animal because, uh, especially hunting at night or in the thicker stuff, you know, you want him, you, you know, dead close. I mean, I tell people all the, all the time, if you have to shoot him four or five times to kill him, I mean, I mean, how much fur damage is there? I'd rather shoot him one time and I'm a firm believer in having enough gun. Mm -hmm. So, well, well, Byron, let me ask this. We're talking about these guys that are, are doing this for, uh, you know, money, uh, and they got to kill a lot of them. And so sure. I think this kind of segues into some of the advanced stuff where unlike Hans and I, where we're just East Texas boys and we're going to go out there and kill some coyotes. And, you know, if we can go kill one or two, three in a night, it's a great night and we're happy to do it. And again, like you said, nobody wants the hides, but, but there's guys I know even here in, in East Texas in the South where, that are in tournaments and they need to kill high volume in a short amount of time, or obviously if you're doing it for the money, uh, it's, it's the more the merrier. So why don't you kind of give us some, sure. some ideas of what you would do differently? Again, we're assuming that everybody's gone and listened to the first episode and got the basics down, but a guy who says, you know, I'm getting in this, I need to kill high numbers uh, in shorter periods of time. What would you do differently there? Well, tournaments are, are, are a huge deal now, and a lot of these are, are paying quite a bit of money, so it, it's all about numbers, like a bass tournament. I mean, you've got to get the mm -hmm. numbers, and you're competing against, it's so competitive now. That you've got some guys that are serious, I mean, I mean, very competitive, and to be able to compete in that arena, uh, you can't be sitting, you know, an hour and a half at a stand. Uh, so as far as advanced tactics, I mean, we talked about on my other segment, um, I mean, 15-minute stands. When I'm hunting a tournament, what I do is I'm really paying attention to the wind, and I'm Google Earth and everything, and I've got everything laid out to where I can be the most efficient. I'm trying to get 15 or 20 stands put together with the sun, the moon, everything in the, in the right place where I can get in and out of there as quick as I can, and I'll set 10-minute stands. And I, I'm, I usually hold true to that. Uh, Ten minutes and I'm gone. And because I know the the my highest likelihood of calling on predators in, within that first five to ten minutes. And after that, my odds are going to go down. So I'm going to stay ten minutes, and I'm moving. And I, you know, we we talked about picking up those extra numbers. A lot of times, if you, if I kill one in the first two or three minutes, I'm going to still stay the ten minutes because I'm assuming there's a second or third coat there pretty close. But after ten minutes, I'm moving. I'm gone. And and we stick to that. My guys, that I, I got a couple of friends of mine that are just as serious with it as I am, and we like to win those tournaments. I mean, you pay an entry fee, you want to win some money, so we sure. we mm -hmm. we hold true to it. Ten minutes, we're gone. And uh, uh, so, you know, that's a completely different tactic. I do a lot of ADC work or animal damage control uh, jobs where I'll have a specific coat that's causing a problem or a fox or a cat or whatever. And so you'll use a completely different tactic on, on that coyote. Um, you know, I hunt some, do some high fence stuff, and these guys, uh, 
the coyotes inside those high fences are very persecuted coyotes. I mean, you've got some exotic animals. One guy I do some work for down in, in the hill country has super exotics. He's got, I mean, some all the African stuff, you know, some stuff I can't even spell or pronounce in there. And, <laughs> and so uh, coyotes can cause him a lot of problems. And uh, mm-hmm. these guys are, are trying to kill those coyotes 24-7. They're trapping. They're doing everything in the world. So when I get the call, it's usually after one that's pretty sharp and savvy. So I'll have to use a little mm-hmm. different tactic on him. And I'll go and try to figure out where would I be if I was a coyote. You really, it, you get down, <laughs> It's that's really uh, scientific. You kind of go in there because you usually have one shot at that coyote. And I'll go in and try to play on his curiosity and He's not going to come running in there like a you know a pup will, or one of these cats on, on Grandpa's forty acres that's never heard a call. He's he's mm-hmm. going to be kind of shy, and so what I'll do a lot of times mm-hmm. on those coyotes is I go in and I make sure my setup is perfect, and then I'll call with the assumption he's probably not going to show up in the first ten or fifteen minutes. But then I won't leave. <laughs> I may sit there for an hour, and I may play some something different, something off the wall. But I'll try to play on his curiosity, but I'll sit there knowing that sooner or later he can't take it no more, and he's going to try to get downwind of me and figure out. He's not going to come running in there. He's going to go to that downwind side and try to size me up, figure out what that is, and I'm going to be ready waiting for him. It's kind of like shooting or hunting a big, you know, mature buck. You have to have a little bit more advanced tactic to be able to kill that coyote. So there's two ends of the spectrum. I mean, I may set, you know, two or three hours on a stand trying to kill a problem cow where I'm not going to set 10 minutes if I'm trying to win a tournament. Mm-hmm. So so let me ask you this, uh, Byron. One of the biggest issues that we have when me and my buddies go out, we we get set up in the right position. We've got the wind in our favor, the, the moon's at our back because we do all night hunting. We've got everything perfect. We can get a coyote to come in, but a lot of times they're circling around so they can get, so they sure. can wind us. So it's constant. They're circling us. How can you, uh, how can you avoid that? Or how can you put yourself in a better position where you're not, we can get them in and then they always are circling around us to get better position on us. At night, those coyotes, you know, I, I, I tell people, uh, it's, uh, Jumping through hoops is a, a term I use in, in my seminars. Used to all the time. You try not try to to. You don't want that coat jumping through too many hoops to get to you. You want to give him a kind of an easy easy path, the uh, path of least resistance to you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll take that, especially at night, because they feel more comfortable out in the open. Now some of these coats are kind of leery. If they see or, or maybe heard you pull up there, they're going to try to still try to get downwind and size you up. So. You know, you have to kind of be paying attention to your downwind side. But a lot of times you can set up to where there's a road or something that he's not going to feel comfortable going through. And that's mm-hmm. going back to the jumping through hoops. Put some hoops in front of him where it's a little more difficult for him to do that. And a lot of times he'll he'll choose that easier path mm-hmm. at night. And, and he'll feel more comfortable coming across those more open deals. And another thing I touched on in the first segment was uh, constant calling. Never turn that call off. If you get one coming, you can kind of turn that call down a little bit, and uh, and uh, they'll come on to it, you know. Well, uh, I want to that, that led into one of my questions. I wasn't going to ask it next, but you got there, and it's about switching sounds. You, you talked about that a little bit, and I guess one thing that that I know I never know what to do is I'm playing a sound, nothing's happening, and I know you said, "Hey, switch it up," but it's like, 
how long is that? Just, I mean, do I do that two, three, four, five minutes, ten? I mean, I understand again if it's a tournament, you know, you're going to do it faster. You're going to try to get out of there. But, sure. But what if I do? If I'm just set up and I'm going to hunt, you know, three stands tonight. How long do I play those sounds before I just start throwing the whole tackle box at him? I usually, as a rule of thumb, I'll play one for three or four or five minutes. And I'm assuming if he's coming to that first sound I'm playing, he's usually going to be there in that, in that length of time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after about three to five minutes, I'd say is a good rule of thumb to think about. Okay. If you haven't seen anything at that point, you might as well put a spinnerbait on. You might sure. put something <laughs> put, put something else on. Yeah. And, uh, okay. and then I'll, I'll use that. And here's something else, you know, as far as an advanced tactic. A lot of times, you know, we're playing the prey sound. So that's, that's playing on a... That, that that predatory instinct they have but you can also play on a paternal instinct and so a puppy sound or something throw something different like that at them um, or a kaya sound sometimes even if if we haven't called in a kaya we'll play a, a kaya sound it's kind of simulates maybe something got up there and got in trouble a kaya is simply a, a coyote in distress um, I, sometimes i'll get a little bit more aggressive and a lot of guys well, you know, especially out in the more open country, you hear a lot of these guys saying they use a lot of coat vocals, and they'll start every stand with a howl. And uh, coats in East Texas, in the more tighter country, and not just I wouldn't say East Texas, the, the Eastern United States, they're not as receptive to a howl. I, well, I hate to say they're not as receptive to a howl. They will figure you out. They can't, they approach a call different coming to a coat vocalization versus a, a prey distress sound. Hmm. So, but so, and you have to kind of know the difference between an aggressive type howl and a passive type howl. An aggressive type howl would be like a, a, a threat bark howl or something like that. And a, a lone howl, we've all heard those cowboy movies where the coat just, mm-hmm. ooh, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a passive sound. Hi, how you doing? You know, where are you at? And then that's what I believe coats are saying is they're real territorial. They're trying to figure out, okay, I'm over here. Where are you at? So they howl, and everybody knows, I'm in my spot. Where are you? They want to check up with everybody. But you can kind of, if you know those uh, boundaries that they've got established, kind of like a dog in a yard, you know. I mean, everybody's cool as long as you're not in my yard. Now, you get in my yard, <laughs> and we're going to tear some stuff up. So, so mean, does that actually you, work against you, though? I mean, you, you run that does, howl, and, you know. It does if you don't know where you're at. And that's where a lot of these guys in more open country are successful with these howls because they're a little bit more forgiving on those boundaries because the cats are more visual. They can see in a tighter country, uh, the cats aren't as forgiving. For instance, I kind of use a neighborhood or, or a, as an example, like, you know, if, if you got several dogs in the neighborhood and everybody's cool as long as you're in your yard and I'm in my yard, but, you, you know, you take a Rottweiler who's new to the, the territory, that... that Chihuahua's not going to come out of the yard. He's going to bark at that Rottweiler mm-hmm. and tell him, it's fine, you go down the street, but you don't come up in my yard. Mm-hmm. And he'll raise cane mm-hmm. and howl back at, you know, say it's two coats, he'll howl back and forth, but they're not going to leave their yard. So mm-hmm. if you howl at a coat that's in his territory, he's going to, and if, if you're not in his core part of his territory, he's going to go to his core territory. He's not coming to you. Now, change the scenario and say you happen to just mistakenly be in his core territory and how he's not going to abide by that he's going to come try to run you off mm-hmm. and so it, it's location has a lot to do with it you know and so that's a, like i said a more advanced tactic and I, some good intel 
uh, you know, we all hear the coyotes howl in the evening, you know, after dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's some of the best intel a coyote hunter can have because that coyote didn't get up and go over there and start howling. That's probably where he spent the day. Uh, Write that down. Mm-hmm. So you know that's his core territory. That's something he's going to put the effort in to defend. Wow. So if you can get close to that and then just start out with a passive howl like you just screwed up and you're over here and you're howling having a good time and he whoa, 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 somebody's in my backyard. <laughs> and, uh, but he, that coach still, he may come in. It's like a litter of pups. Some of those pups are going to be aggressive. Some are going to be a passive. So he may come bowling in there, you know, bristled up, ready to fight, or he may, you know, be a little more passive. He's going to kind of get downwind, size you up before he comes running in there. So I always start with, I say, cast the widest net first, which is your rabbit sounds. Nobody's scared of the rabbit. It's a good, loud sound that casts a long or wide net, and, and a lot of coyotes are receptive to it. So start with the, I always start with the prey sounds. And then, you know, as a more advanced tactic, I'll, I'll well, if I know the country good and feel like I'm, you know, in a coach territory or in his backyard or something that he is core territory, I may step it up and get aggressive with him. But again, you got to play the wind right because, I mean, they can they can get in downwind of you and figure you out and they go, hey. But, you know, I don't think coach connect the dots where they go, oh, that's Hans over there or Jason. Mm-hmm. And I figured it out. Mm-hmm. They're just going to wait on Jason to leave and then they're going to go in there later and try to figure out what's going on because i don't think they're smart enough to know hey that's the you know the bullet over there i heard that before well well speaking of that that speaks to this and then you even made that the comment of grandpa's 40 acres and then you you know you talk about hey they know we're there and they don't know that's the bullet so this is something that i know i get this question all the time and i know you do as well and so i want you to speak to it here and that is not everybody has access to uh, 15 different places that are 500 acres apiece. Sure. They may literally have access to their 40 acres sure. or their, you know, lease or whatever. And a lot of times I think, you know, if you're uh, in, uh, you know, the South, a lot of the, the wooded part of the South and that, you know, moves up on into parts I know of the Midwest and the North. So what, you know, what the reason I make that point is you may get on a 500 acre track and there may only be 20 acres of, of open ground. So it's, country, you, know, right. you can, it's hard to get in there and hunt that. So what the, the, the question I'm trying to get to is, what does a guy do? How does he prevent over hunting his same spot? And I get it. I mean, it's no, no magic. You can't make 40 acres a thousand. But how does he prevent that? Should he limit the amount of time that he goes out there? Should, if he goes out and, and you know, shoots a coyote, or even if he just calls, nothing comes in, should he wait a week, six weeks? What do you, what do, you do there? Well, here's what I tell guys all the time, because I hunt a lot of small places, and I grew up doing that. And so I, if you, if you, you can't ruin that spot, because then, then you've got an edu- educated coyote in, in, on your grandpa's 40 acres, and you got problems. So you're going to have to get some steel out. You're going to have to get that coyote removed in another way. He's probably not going to fall for this trick again and come right. to the call. So that goes back to my, you know, the first segment where I said try to get everything you can in your favor before you go in there, because you, you've got one, one shot at, at trying to kill that coyote and not educate that coyote. So it, get in there. Don't call it if, if the conditions aren't right. You know, the sun's, moon, everything's not lined up like you want to where you've got everything in your favor. Just don't call it. It's hard not to do because you've worked all week and it's Saturday and you want to mm-hmm. kill something. But don't ruin that spot. Now, 
flip that around, everything's right Saturday morning, you go out there and you kill that coyote, well, guess what? It's probably a good spot for a coyote. If he's dead, uh, you can probably go back Saturday, next Saturday, and do the mm-hmm. same thing. It may be a, a month before another coyote comes in there, but as long as he, a coyote, you call him in, and he doesn't have a bad experience and smell you or figure it out, or he's dead, uh, you're good. Uh, you can always go back. And, but you can mm-hmm. certainly overcall a spot if you're not doing it right. If you're going in there, you know, just parking the truck, getting out, not checking the wind and calling. I mean, they're, they're just not going to keep coming to that call there. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, I, you know, it's tough on a coyote hunter. If you want to be a coyote hunter, you're really going to have to, you know, get some friends on some property or, or, sure. or, or ask around. And I tell you, you know, it, the first few times you ask a guy, you know, is scared, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to ask a guy, but most of the time, uh, you know, you, you, they're going to say, okay, or they might know somebody or something. And some of the times they're going to say, no, I don't want you hunting on my place. I don't know who you are. You know, I mean, so yeah. you're just going to have to go through a few no's sometimes. But if you get a 40 acre piece of property and do the guy good, he's going to say, hey, man, I got some relatives. I mean, it, it'll end up, you know, you'll have 400 and 4,000 and stuff like that. So it'll be a lot more fun if you've got enough places to keep them rotated than trying to call the deer lease every weekend. So let me ask you this, Byron. So West Texas, and, and you know, this is people listen from all sure. over the country. So, you know, we've got Midwest people on the, on the East coast, West coast and all that, but I'm going to hone this down to the Texas uh, region, but you see guys out in West Texas when they're doing tournaments, they're shooting dozens sure. of coyotes a night. And I know that has to do with land access and all that. Um, Man, I'm going to tell you, East Texas, it just seems to be really tough to get on coyotes like that. Now, it's tough. I've hunted some of the tournaments here in East Texas, and they're, they're some of the toughest tournaments in the world. I mean, but the, I mean, there's guys here that are killing, you know, 15, 20 coyotes. So, uh, we, uh, we hunted the Kearney tournament over here. It's usually the only tournament I hunt. I'm not against tournaments by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems to work out to wherever. A guy told me a long time ago when these tournaments started happening that, you know, here's the deal, Byron. I mean, if you enter it and win it, you automatically, you cheat it. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't win it, then you suck. (laughs) So, I mean, you probably should not hunt them. I I think they're a good idea, and I think they do a lot for conservation as far as removing a lot of coats from properties and save a lot of deer. So I'm for the tournaments, but... You know, don't you got to have realistic expectations. You're not going to kill the numbers that those guys do out there just because of, you know, the situation. A coat is, uh, uh, we've got as many or more coats than they do out there. Yeah. Problem is, we've got 10 times more people than they do. So these coats are conditioned here completely different than they are, mm-hmm. you know, on a you know, 15,000 acre piece of property that sees one guy feeding cows every day. Well, let me and, ask, uh, let me ask you this. So, with the different regions, you know, obviously East Texas being heavily wooded, hilly, sure. that type of thing. You know, when you think of coyote hunting, you think of sitting out in a huge field flat, you know, trying to call from one side of the field to the other. What Do you do much uh, calling in thick woods? I've seen people do it. I can't say I that, I, I, that I, I do it that much. But it, it, does your strategy change any there? You know, you're not really dealing a lot with Sometimes if you're covered moon and stuff at, like that. At night, at night I don't. Um, 
I, I do some in the daytime coats, especially here in East Texas. Like I said, there's 10 times as many people. They just they don't want to expose themselves and get out in the open mm-hmm. where they're vulnerable in the daytime. Some, some hillbilly will shoot them. But, so they understand that they've got to stay in the woods or in some tight cover. So, I mean, we've got, you know, right-of-ways, you know, highline right-of-ways and stuff like that. Those are great places to call. But you hunt the edges, you know, and you keep watching. That. A lot of times that coyote's not going to pop out, you know, come balling out of the edge and just run right up to the call. He's going to come up and, like I mentioned earlier, checking up. He's going to get up to that edge of those woods and, and sit down and be looking. He's going to really size it up. And that's where that decoy, you know, will, will benefit you. You know, mm-hmm. once he, he checks up, he's looking. Right. If he sees something moving, a lot of times he'll come on out of that brush. But you really got to watch your downwind side on that on on, on those you know, hunting the woods. Yeah. And again, kind of goes back to jumping through hoops. Try to put some obstacles there. You know, some really thick stuff that he don't want to go through, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, a creek or a road. You know, uh, home place. You know, uh, we call a lot of coyotes. Uh, uh, you know, around uh, home places and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. those coyotes. Uh, but they're not going to go through somebody's backyard to come to you, but you can yeah. kind of use it as a barrier to kind of steer right. him to you. But we do call some, you know, we, we call a lot in the daytime in the thicker stuff, and I've killed a ton with a shotgun. Matter of fact, my son, if we hunt in the daytime, that's all he want. He don't want a rifle. Mm. Uh, yeah. He shoots a shotgun exclusively. Wow. So hmm. well, that's his big deal. Well, Byron, I know we're going to run out of time, but I've still got, I've got a long list of questions, but I've got a couple here that I do. I'm, I'm, I keep, I keep writing down. If somebody's watching this, they're like, what is he doing? I'm writing questions, but I do have a couple that, that I know um, th- that I think you could speak to and especially important for maybe it is the guys that are doing this for, for the, uh, the fur uh, or guys that are in tournaments. And would, do you have any specifics uh, on how to call in a cat, say a bobcat, you know, over a coyote. Meaning, when, when you again, if you're sure. in some of these tournaments, uh, for people that don't know, it may be a tournament where you have to kill uh, or you get points for different, you know, animals. And so you're trying to kill a lot of different animals, even all the way down to the coon. So I, you don't have to speak very much to it. But I'm just curious, do you have any suggestion for you know calling in a coon enough to you see know- his eyes? We call a, a lot of cats. I mean, cats are my favorite thing in the world to call. They're such a cool animal. And and but they approach a call. Uh, I'm using uh, uh, stereotypes here on the cats, you know. But sometimes, like I said, you know, I mean, we've had cats run in like a coyote. But typically, what a cat will do, he's not going to just charge into a call like a uh, like a, a coyote will. Um, he's going to use the cover. He may get there fast. I've heard this all my life. You know, it takes 30 minutes a lot of times to call in a cat. I don't believe that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't subscribe to that theory at all. We kill a lot of cats under the five-minute mark. What happens is a lot of those cats come for, you know, pretty hot to a call, but they'll stop out there before you can see them and, mm-hmm. and start stalking that call. So it might be 30 minutes. He may have been there 30 minutes before you saw him. Mm-hmm. And that's where electronic call really comes in handy because he's not stalking you at that point. He's stalking that call. So if you can get that call offset, like if you think, you know, cats like cover. So if you're sitting in the edge of a woods, the woods and got the call sitting out in the field, he may be coming up behind you, you know, in the cover, <laughs> looking out mm-hmm. there at that call, and you may never see him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've got to really, you know, watch that cover and if you set that call kind of offset the way he's where he's sneaking up on that call and not you you'll see him trying to keep that tree between him and that call instead of that tree between you and him 
and you'll kill a lot more cats that way. Cats like really busy sounds, and so the busier the better. That baby cottontail, uh, that raspy baby raspy cottontail is a really good sound. Uh, but we call a lot of cats, you know, hunting, you know, call, trying to call coyotes too. And constant sounds, uh, you know, I tell a guy, man, they ever turn that call off. Well, coyotes are especially cats. You don't have to worry so much about your scent with cats. Cats have a pretty good sense of smell, but they have a really poor brain. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, they have really, really good eyesight. They, they, they depend more on their eyesight than anything. So if you're wanting to call cats, man, you really get tucked in there, do not move. They will mm. nail you. And at night, you know, you get by a lot more. But, and, uh, but, but I always try to give, if I'm calling cats, a good tip on cats, if, uh, I try to give them some cover to use to stalk toward the call. If, if you try to force a cat way out in the open, now at night, it's not so much. But uh, in the daytime, especially if you're trying to call cats, you, know, you got to give them some cover to come to you. And, you know, back to what you said, Hans, do you call a lot? You know, East Texas, where we're at here, where there's way more cats than what people realize. Mm-hmm. And uh, I honestly believe we probably don't see, you know, 30% of the cats we call in. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. I mean, we probably walk out there and pick up the call and, and assume nothing ever came. And uh, the cat's sitting there just watching you do it. He, he slipped up there. <laughs> They're so... I've got some incredible footage of, of cats. I mean, if, if we weren't just really trying to get footage we would have never seen mm. so i mean it's i tell guys if there's cats in the where you're calling uh when you break the stand 15 minutes and you think well nothing came assume a cat is there always assume that stand up look around you know and then when you walk out to or your call take your rifle with you because there may be a cat just took down behind a tree oh there's somebody there and they'll just instead of running off a lot of times they'll just sit down and kind of tuck behind a tree and, and wait on you to pick up your call and walk off. So right. take your gun and really be looking around because a lot of times those cats are, are there. And I've got some really good footage to support that. So well, we kill a lot of cats. Well, Byron, I, I, I see, again, this is just like the first time we had you on the podcast. Uh, I had a, a bunch of questions scribbled down, and we, we got to about <laughs> half of them. And I, I think we've... We've done it again, you know. You've uh, you've given us <laughs> well, a I'll lot of you a lot of super information, and uh, but but I do. I, there's everything you say leads me to another question, and I think that uh, not only Hans and I benefiting from this, but hopefully our, our listeners. And uh, I know that you're going to agree with this. It doesn't matter how long you've done it; you, you're always learning, and uh, sure. I, I know you are. And uh, you know, it's one of those things where. If there was a perfect formula and all you had to do was A plus B and that equaled C, there wouldn't be any coyotes or cats or anything left. We'd just go shoot them all tonight. But uh, I appreciate all your years of knowledge of you sharing this and, and, you know, helping all of us try to do a little bit better. Well, I thank you all for the opportunity. And I tell you this, don't overthink this. It's not rocket science. Uh, Have fun. Enjoy it. Uh, have realistic expectations i mean we make stands that you know for you know four five ten stands sometimes not see anything and you get to you know question what you're doing if you know you're doing the basics and doing them right uh success is going to come just don't get frustrated i mean all you can do is ask them to call to come 
and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so go ahead. Byron, where where can they find you uh, and the your, your products, the Convergent uh, Bullet HP and the side? Sure. Sidewinder and all that. Uh, our website is convergenthunting.com. Uh, our telephone number is 903-636-4222. And uh, we're all hunters here. Uh, my wife even answers the phone quite a bit. And she's uh, probably more accomplished than most men that I know. <laughs> she, she uh, you know, some guys will call and, and, uh, and uh, oh, it's a, a woman. I, what does she know about hunting? I can assure you, you will be well served. With her knowledge, she has right. filmed me nice. shooting a bunch and, and, and killed plenty of her own in her own right. But uh, coming to the our, uh, uh, convergenthunting.com, and like I said, our phone number is 903-636-4222. And if you see us at a show, uh, we love to share, you know, uh, what we know, and I'm uh, glad to do it. Well, well, and also, folks, a shameless plug, but uh, uh, Outdoor Legacy, we're a dealer for these convergent calls. So uh, if you're looking for one, you know, you feel free to uh, check us out. We've got the uh, all the, the convergent electronic callers in stock. Hans and I use them both personally, and uh, we love them. They're, they're great, great well, calls, and uh, we can't say enough good things shameless about Shameless plug, I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, when we started building this call, what we did, we didn't build this for for sporting goods stores we built it for hunters and and mm -hmm. i've been doing this for a lot of years uh, the sound quality is something that that we excel at and it comes from from the battery power our our calls all use a lithium-ion battery that puts out over twice what the competitors does and what that does it gives us the ability to use a lot better speakers and which really makes a difference when you're calling predators especially pressured predators if they're coming to a tinny sounding call, mm -hmm. uh, you you're not going to call as many. Sound quality matters, and uh, it comes from from power and uh, and the quality of the sounds. So I've recorded sounds for a lot of years. I mean, it's a it's a good sound product. Something that I'm proud to 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 say we we uh, we put a lot of work in, and I don't believe we have anybody that can touch us as far as sound quality, and and uh, and uh, we have a lifetime warranty. Uh, again, you guys have seen the the quality of the sounds and how how well they work, and it does make a difference. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm going to speak to that quickly and just say that uh, you can go and you can download uh, these convergent apps. Uh, you can download for free and get some of the calls. You can pay and get get all sure. the calls. And a, a lot of people I know, well, I've, you know, since becoming a dealer, people will call and say, "All right, I downloaded these things, but you tell me, is it really worth me going and buying this speakers?" And I, the answer is yes. I can tell <laughs> you, I've got some really nice. Uh, and I don't want to get too long here into this, but I think this is important because we get this a lot of people asking this. And one time I was looking for a really good bluetooth speaker uh, i was going to use it in my shop and i don't like these cheap little tinny sounds like you talked about and you know my shop's big and said so i want something good i spent hours like way too much time on amazon and i, I bought several really nice not cheap uh, Bluetooth speakers and some of them sounded okay. Some didn't. I can tell you right now, you put one of those things on and you walk out there in the field and turn it on and listen, and then you go over there and put it on something like the bullet and it is totally different. I'm telling you, it is worth getting this call 
And I'm glad it, you it said is, that. We, we, we have guys do that all the time, and, and you know, they think, well, then we'll take the cheap route, and that's fine. Guy, you sure. know, let not everybody spend $300 on a call, but the, the, you know, the thing about it is, is it worth it? The, the answer is yes, because of the quality of the sound. The, the, I mean, we, if we could sell them for a hundred, we would, but mm -hmm. there's $300 worth. Of, I mean, it, it's, you get your money's worth with the call. Uh, another thing, it is built for the outdoors. I mean, it's very rugged. We also have, a, I mean, we went to a lifetime warranty because of the, the return rate on these things. They're, they're built like a tank. Mm -hmm. If you have a problem with it, we'll, we'll replace it. It's not a problem. But it's also got a decoy on it, mm -hmm. which your other Bluetooth speakers doesn't. So there's, that's a that's mm -hmm. a, that's not something we added to it. It was built in the design. Um, you know, you're never gonna have to buy batteries for our units. I mean, they come. It's built-in battery. Uh, it's just it's built purpose built. You know, for calling, mm -hmm. uh, sound quality, the all the features. Uh, for instance, I mean, like standard Bluetooth works to 30 feet. Ours works to 300 feet. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, yeah, is it worth it? Uh, yeah, if you can afford it, I guarantee you, if you want to call some coyotes, uh, there's not a better sounding call on the market. Well, I agree. And I'll, I'll say this to, to speaking to our customers before we close. Uh, you know, $300 is a lot of money, no doubt. And I, I don't want to dismiss the Sidewinder, which is, is much more oh, smaller. I mean, that's a whole nother. You've got that option for the guy that doesn't want to spend three. But the one thing I will say is that you go out there and you've got your rifle and, you know, you may have a, a, a $499 AR or you may have a, a $2,000 AR, but you got it, got an AR, you got, you got a bolt gun, uh, you know, you've got your ammo. It's not cheap. You've got, you know, one night a week to hunt. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's once a month you're going out to the lease, you're doing whatever you've spent all this time, money, you've, you've bought a night vision scope or a thermal scope. It's kind of like now's not the time to skimp. I mean, that that coyote doesn't care which rifle. He doesn't care what ammo. He doesn't care how good your thermal scope is. All those things, but he's going to hear that sound and he's going to make a decision whether to come or not. And you know, like you just said, you, you've got ten or fifteen minutes at most on a set. You better make it count. So to yep. me, that's not the time to skimp. That's right. But and that, you mentioned the sidewinder. The sidewinder's so new, I, I forget to even mention it sometimes, but mm -hmm. I mean, the, the sound quality. Look, guys, look at that little bit call and thought, well, what kind of sound quality can you get out of that? You can use this little call as a, for a tailgate party. It is unbelievable. <laughs> but, yes. I mean, it's over 100 mm -hmm. decibels, and it, is, it all goes back to the power. It's that, that, that higher-powered battery. And with our quality of speakers and the power that we put to them, a lot of these lesser calls and some of these high dollar calls, the higher you turn them, the worse they sound in the mm -hmm. distortion and stuff. Ours, the, I mean, we don't lose any sound quality as you go up into volume. And, uh, you know, the sidewinder for a guy that's hunting at night, it's just, you know, it, it attaches right to your rifle. So it's, it's handy, you know, and, you know, you, you better have your riding britches on when you turn it on because they're coming to you. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. And, and yeah, and, yep. and, and on that sidewinder, if you don't want to attach it to your rifle, you, you don't have to. There's That's other true. ways to use it. You can try it to your tripod or whatever, right. but, but absolutely. Well, folks, we are out of time. Uh, just like we were last time, ran along talking to, to Byron because there's so much, uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge and years of experience. We hope you've enjoyed uh, these interviews and maybe learned a little bit of something. I know Hans and I have. We appreciate Byron. He is a friend of the show, and uh, we appreciate his, his friendship and, and all he does for this industry. We want to thank him for, for coming out, and he told you all where to find him. 
So if you all have any questions, definitely uh, go check out Convergent Hunting uh, Solutions and uh, check out the uh, both the Sidewinder and the Bullet Collar. Uh, for the Late Night Vision Show, Hans and I both want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back every week. And we will be here uh, again next week with another episode. So we will see you all then. <laughs>